take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter number 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5, thank you, and I'm glad I serve a God I can trust and depend on. This is the last message I'll speak on this particular topic this month. Uh, from time to time, we always need to speak about it. If God spoke about music 500 times, then your pastor should speak at it from, from time to time as well. And most of music, God's music, should glorify Him directly. Everything we do, whether we eat or drink, whatsoever we do, should be to the glory of God. But certainly, this is in the realm of music. When we talk about music, as I've said this month several times, it's a little confusing. Some of you might have even been confused about what Brother John was trying to display to us pictorially about that. Some of you might have said, really, there's something wrong with that? Really? It's a little confusing. It's definitely controversial. I can tell, and anytime you bring up music, we talk about music all month, it seems like you can hear a pin drop just talking about it. It's touchy. It's easy to be offended about. It's a personal thing. I oftentimes say if a Christian does not figure out money and music, it will hamstring them to be the victorious Christian they need to be. But you just can't have the world's, you cannot live a holy life on a diet of questionable worldly music. You're drinking your bathwater to think that, that you can do it. You're the exception. That you can listen to this, this, and this and still have a close relationship that you want to have with the Lord. You cannot. It's like having a close relationship with God and never giving to the Lord. Once again, God does not need our money, but you and I need to learn to give. It's God's plan. He speaks about money and possessions 2,300 times in the Bible. So he, it's important to him. It should be important to us. But music is definitely uh, confusing. It's definitely controversial, but it's critical in the life of a Christian. And we see lots of illustrations, most of which are in the Old Testament. You probably will struggle to find even 10 references to music in the New Testament. It's not a major theme in the New Testament. I think it's understood. The Old Testament gives us God's thinking about things. The feelings, the thinking, and the desires of God are oftentimes shown to us in the Old Testament writings. You wonder, like, people say, well, that's in the Old Testament. Well, that tells us how God thinks about things. Every once in a while, someone brings up an Old Testament. Well, that's in the Old Testament. Not like it's trash. All Scripture is given inspiration of God. So Genesis 1-1 is just as vital as Revelation 22-20. And everything in between it is all Scripture's demonstration. God that tells us something. Now, not everything is applicable or to be applied in every situation. There are certain things that you'll read in the Old Testament that is certainly given primarily for the Jew to get the world out of them. You might read the book of Exodus, and you'll see Exodus is a story of how God got his people out of Egypt. But the law, Leviticus, shares with us how God got Egypt out of his people. And he's giving them Old Testament. They're all types and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying that every single thing that you read in the Bible is totally applicable. If a man mocks his mom or dad, go out and stone him. That's not something we're going to do today. You know, there are some things of that nature. But all scriptures give inspiration to God. And it all tells us how God feels and thinks and desires for his people. And so he spends a lot of the time. Matter of fact, one of the largest, uh, the largest book in our Bible is a song book. It is the book of Psalms. And the Psalms is one of three types of singing that God wants us to sing. 
He says, I want you to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Those of us who've been here this month, or the quotes who did a great job explaining that. But psalms are primarily scripture put to music. Look, and be kind one to another. We have that song, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And I'm sorry, my voice is struggling, but nonetheless, it, it, is, a, it is a verse of scripture put to music. Uh, we sang a song tonight. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness. That's, I, that's a Psalm 89. So we, we're taking music and putting it. That's a psalm. I think this morning we sang uh, Isaiah 48, 1 and 2. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. Ms. Zeta put the song together that we really love to sing here. And then how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than to be numbered, and so forth and so on. And search me, O God, know my heart. What those are psalms. are putting God's word in music so that we can apply them to our hearts and life. Um, I love the song. I learned it when I was 13 years old here at youth conference. And it was a Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. I love that song. I've been singing that song since I was 13 years old. And in times of discouragement, I can sing. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. I want to keep my head up and my heart soft. That reminds me of that particular, particular song. So that is psalms are verses of Scripture that we put to music and help us memorize it. Uh, I remember he le learning the song when I was 13 about, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn me to righteousness stars forever and ever. Many songs that you're familiar with and that you have sung too. Um, so those are psalms. And then hymns. Hymns primarily are songs that magnify or teach us about the attributes of God. Okay, let's think about that just real quickly. And I don't want to be too long tonight. I want to go to some things I think are very important to us. But let's think about some hymns that magnify the attributes of God. What comes to your mind? Over here, someone in this section have something there? Yes, Terry? How great we heard it tonight. That was not about, that was not about Michael Jordan. <laughs> That was not about Chris Bryant. That was about the Lord. And it magnifies his attributes. And when I think of God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die to take away my sin, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing. Boy, that's speaking about the attribute, the great love of God. What's another song that comes to your mind? Yes, Brother John? Great is God's faithfulness. We're singing a hymn that exalts the faithfulness of God. That's another thought. Anybody else have another one? Yes, or Don? Holy, holy, holy. That's a song that, that exalts the holiness of God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Speaking about his attributes. Those are examples of songs that exalt the holiness, the goodness, the attributes of God. And then spiritual songs are usually songs we can categorize as songs that challenge us in spiritual attitudes and attributes. Okay? Um, should we be working for the Lord? Should we be serving the Lord? 
What's a song that might go along to challenge us to serve the Lord? Yes. Work for the night is coming. When man's work is o'er. So that's a song that challenges us. That, how about another attribute that we should have, that kind of uh, the spiritual song that may be helping us and challenges us as Christians? Someone raise your hand. Yes, sir, Brother Brooks. Yeah, bringing in the sheaves. Going out and bringing people to Jesus. That's a soul winning song. That challenges us to go out and tell folks about Christ. What's another one? Anybody over here? Some, Brother Gary. Sweet hour of prayer. What does that motivate you to do? Pray. What is bringing the sheaves motivates to do? Go soul winning. Sure. And these are great. Let's talk about three or four more. What's another one that comes to your mind? Yes, sir, in the back with Jim. Rescue the perishing. So that would be go out and go soul winning. Don't let someone die without Christ. Tommy, are you thinking about one? What? Why worry when you can pray? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, why worry when you can pray? A spiritual song challenges Zachary. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So spiritual songs challenge us to spiritual attributes. So basically, he says, now listen, whenever you sing, speak to yourselves and sing together in hymns or, or psalms, words of God put to music, in hymns that magnify the person and the attributes of God, and spiritual songs that help us and motivate us to do what God wants us to do, whether in prayer or soul winning or forgiveness, or we sang one tonight, help somebody today. Somebody along the line said, what does that song help us do? It challenges us to, to not just look in the, do a selfie all day long and look in the mirror, but to look out a window. Not say, well, what can I do for me is what can I do for somebody else? It challenges a spiritual song. So God gave us three categories. He says, now, whenever you're spirit-filled, don't be drunk with wines where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then you need to sing to yourselves and speak to yourselves in these three arenas. Scripture songs, songs that, that, uh, that, that acknowledge and exalt God, and then songs that uh, will challenge us into spiritual attributes. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight, and we've learned the purpose of music. Music is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to educate us. That's why the Bible says teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Uh, we even teach our children the ABCs, often using a song. The songs I told you about right now, I learned when I was 13 because they were put to song. And we're going to do a little bit more of that. I'm talking to Brother Aaron about that. We want to get a few more scripture songs that we sing in choruses. I'm looking forward to that. But we want to keep teaching each other in those things. It teaches, it edifies, and it encourages us. If you're ever down, oftentimes a godly song will encourage you. And I'm giving you illustrations about that. And a song that is biblical, that's right, that's holy, that's that, that song that we're talking about, the spiritual songs, it does a change inside of me. You want to get a callous to the things of God? Just start listening to the stuff over there. And you're going to find it's not going to be, you're not, your heart is not going to stay as soft. There'll be a callousness there. Songs, music, it changes you. The Bible says uh, that we ought to sing a new song to the Lord, even praise to my God. And then the humble shall see it, and they'll trust in the Lord. You know what they see? They see a life change by biblical music. You having a hard time? Let me encourage you. It'll be a fight, but you might want to say, you know what? I'm going to go a while 
Maybe you can go a lifetime, but at least go a while. Say, you know, I'm going to put away all these other worldly songs that I like and that I'm used to and I put on. And I'm getting them off, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to stay in the realm of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know what you're going to find out? It's going to change your behavior. It's going to change your conduct. And it will make you more receptive to bringing others to Christ. And I find that the humble people who are looking for Jesus, people who are looking for answers, they will see in your life and my life answers there. And it'll not be because of the song you sing. Once again, I told you, you can't go, if you went down to the, the floor of the United Center before the game and sang Jesus saves, I don't think you're going to have a lot of people. You're going to have people throwing beer on you. They're probably not going to say, oh, I, what must I do to be saved because you sang a scriptural song. But you had that scriptural song inside of you. Your testimony will be attractive to humble people who are looking for the gospel of Jesus. It will change your perspective on them, and it will change their perspective of you. The humble shall, shall hear thereof and see you and be glad. And so God uses music to bring evangelism to the world through my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God. Well, we talked about those three things, but what about the music? Is music really neutral? This is one of the things that a lot of people will argue about. They'll say, you know what, I, as long as the words, I think there's at least three things to consider in music. One, and if I, if I accept a song or a song is good, this is general and it's not maybe foolproof. But since I was a young man, I tried to say, okay, I got to evaluate if this song is, is, if I'm supposed to prove what's acceptable to the Lord. Number one, is the, muse, is the message biblical? Is the text agree with the scriptures? Okay, because sometimes you can get a lot of Christian songs that are nothing more than fluff. It's the same old song, same old words, and you can sing it to your girlfriend and be more appropriate. Sometimes it's just fluff. Is the message, does it, do it, does it coincide? Is it horizontal? Is it, is, it, is it parallel with the scriptures? So that's important. But that's not the only thing that's important. I think another thing that's important is the men or the people who are, who are prepared the song and promoting the song. I believe that's something to evaluate. Some people, God says, oh, their lips, they're with me, but their heart is far from me. Remember years ago, I went to a, um, I was from, it was in Tennessee, and I went to a, to a, um, a church service where they had invited a southern gospel group. And I'm not saying everyone is like this. But they had them sing, and it was good. And, you know, it was a good, good, there were some good songs. And, boy, the guys had shirts and ties, and they looked they look admirable. But I was, I was 16 years old, and, and they had a break in the action. They had a break, and they said, you know, we'll just take about a 15-minute break. There's some refreshments in the fellowship hall, and you guys just go out and do that. And so I did, and I went around, and I started looking outside. I went outside, and I went around by the bus, and I saw the bass singer and the baritone singer smoking cigarettes out behind the bus. And I said, what in the world? And I saw that, it just, it kind of bothered me. I'm only 16, and there's, there's worse sins you can do than smoke a cigarette, but I do think your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and if God wants to smoke, he'd probably put a chimney on top of your head, okay? But 
At the same time, I think that, I think that when I saw that, I thought, oh, you know, there's something, that's, that's not really probably the best thing to do. As a 16-year-old boy, it kind of like disappointment. I went back in and heard them sing again and sing, and a couple of them got even emotional. I thought, wow, it looks like to me there's someone saying one thing, but they're living a different way. And that's just in that. I don't want to be judgmental. I'm just telling you what I saw in my 16-year-old eyes. And it, and it bothered me because the men, sometimes it's the men, sometimes the message, but definitely the music is a part of it. Now, I'm not near as skilled as many of the musicians here. I can't even, I can play the guitar a little bit. I can play a little bit of piano. And then I struggle with playing the radio. But both of those I can do pretty good. But, but, uh, but I'm not near as skilled to understand everything about music that many of our men understand. But I don't believe that music is neutral. I don't believe that it's just like you can have any genre of music as long as you have Jesus and praise and right words, you can communicate it with anybody. Because, and I think the Bible teaches us that. The Bible teaches that there are some, there's some music that you play that, that has war. Do you know how Gideon got the men to stop what they were doing and 32,000 of them came and joined him uh, beside that river to go get the Midianites? Do you know how he got them to come? Does anybody know? He blew a trumpet. He blew a trumpet, and the trumpet said, Come, it's time to fight. He blew a trumpet. He, they didn't know the words to the words. They, all they knew is the sound, and the sound it was a sound of battle. When, when uh, Moses and, Aaron, uh, and Joshua came down from the mount, and they were running around and playing the music they had learned in Egypt and banging around and doing all they're doing and then started removing their clothes with seductive dance. And immorality was on the, if it wasn't happening, it was getting ready to happen. Whenever, whenever all it was, he couldn't understand what the words were. But he said, hey, man, we got some bad, bad sounds coming out of that. We said, no, that was just music. If they could have sang Jesus saves, it would have been okay. No, I think it was the sound. Let's look at another verse real quickly. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 23, would you? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 23. I want you to look at verse number 15. Isaiah 23, verse 15. The Lord is giving a challenge to the nation of Tyre or the Chaldeans there. It says in verse 15, It shall come to pass in that day that, that Tyre shall be forgotten seventy years, according to the days of one king. And after the end of seventy years shall Tyre sing as an harlot. Huh. Take a harp, go about the city, thou harlot. Thou, shalt, that, thou hast been forgotten. Make sweet melody, sing many songs, that thou mayest be remembered. Here the Bible says that there is a song of the harlot. Not most any girl would never want to be called a harlot or a whore. But he says here, the whore has a song. The harlot has a song. And it's a sweet song to some extent. It's a song that brings a, a, sweet, a sweetness to her lover. But there's a song that goes with that. 
You know, it reminds me of, let's just flip over to Isaiah, excuse me, to Psalm, excuse me, to Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7. Once again, I think the, the basis of all decisions need to come. I'm going to prove what's acceptable to the Lord. Okay, I'm not here. I'm not going to call out every... Now, Brother John called out some names, some of which I'm familiar with, some of which I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, I, I'm not here to tell you, okay, this person's okay, this person's not. This style is okay. This you know, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you. And you have a Bible. And you can evaluate, is this pleasing to the Lord? And by the way, I'm 52 years old. I had the joy to be your pastor. But I have to make decisions every day in this arena and many more. I've never stopped having to make the decision, what is the best thing for me to do here? Not what I want to do, what would most please the Lord? Now, I shared with you earlier this month is that I think everybody looks at, at questionable things in several ways. Do I want to please the Lord, make him delightfully happy, or I just don't want to get him ticked off. I want to appease him. I want to just make sure he's not upset with me. Or do I want to just delightfully please him? These are some questions we have to do, and especially when it comes to music. But you know, the Bible says there's a song of the harlot. Let's look at what else it says in verse number, chapter 7 and verse number 10, I believe. Let's look at it, the Bible says here. And uh, behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. So he, he says there's a, there's, an, there's a way that a harlot dresses, and there's a song of a harlot. Can I just say something real quickly? This is probably for another time. Let me remind you, ladies especially, that your dress is meaningful to the Lord. It's meaningful. And there are several principles. And sometimes I think, and, and, and I was reminded of this again today, is that we ought to delight in the way of God's statutes. And it's not what he says, but why he says it. What his thinking is. I think there's, there's several principles that govern our dress. And I think men, we can take that same thing too. We've come to a world now where everybody is supposed to be unisex. Where everything can wear, guys can wear it, girls can wear it, and it's okay. And it's going to get worse and worse, as we heard today, men deceiving and being deceived. But I do believe the Bible's very clear in several areas. First of all, he says there is, no, there is a way that a harlot dresses. One of those ways, if you can look in your Bible in Isaiah chapter 47, verse number 2, when God begins, he's talking to his people, he said, you guys are really going south. He said, you might as well just humble yourself and girls, reveal your thigh. Reveal your thigh. And, 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 and embarrass yourself and, and show your nakedness. You know, girls that, uh, that cheerleaders, almost all of them, could you imagine if cheerleaders went out there with dresses down to here in our day and time? It would be, a jo it would be laughed, off the, laughed off the court. They understand they need to re reveal their thigh. That is one thing. And you precious girls, you're trying to find dresses that are long enough for you. But there's something about that. And you may not understand it, but God does. And men understand it. And they want to reveal the thigh. The other thing, the other principle is the principle is four principles. One, we wear clothes for protection. I'm glad that we have the protection of clothes. 
And you say, Pastor, why in the world we got clothes? Well, we wear them for protection. Number two, the next principle of, of clothing is modesty. It is to cover us. God, God is against nakedness. You can read Leviticus chapter 18, and you'll see nakedness come a lot of times. God's not interested in that. He said that marriage is honorable. The bed, the bedroom is undefiled. That means no one else is welcome. That's a, that's a bedroom for two. And whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. But modesty is a very biblical principle that God says primarily to the women. He said, you tell the women to dress in modest apparel. Now, modesty, some folks say, well, that just means don't be flashy. Well, I can concur to some of that, but I think for the most part, it means to be covered. It means to be covered. The other principle, not only for protection and for modesty, but we wear clothing uh, for distinction. God, from the very beginning, made them male and female. And God's word teaches us, and we can read in Deuteronomy chapter 22, and oftentimes people get really fired up with this particular verse because it says, I don't want the men wearing things that pertain to the woman or the woman wearing things that pertain to the man. And it's become a little bit where everybody is on the same page, and it's okay, there's men's, there's men's and there's women's uh, apparel and things of that nature, but God is a God of distinction. He wants her to be distinction. He wants her to be obviously a different. This is a man. This is a woman. You could go, and, and uh, the other day, I, uh, if you just go into public, you can just see. Sometimes you just you ever see someone like, I don't know if that's a man or a woman. And sometimes you see a, a man in a, in a dress. And sometimes we see a lady, the lady in, in, a, in a man's apparel, and we say, that's just, that's just the day and time we live in. What if pastor walked out tonight in a, in a dress? Would that bother you? You'd say, get that guy out of here. He's gone goofy. But there's a distinction. God puts a distinction between the two. And then there is a testimony. A testimony for the Lord. I think great principles there. One, protection. Two, modesty. Three, uh, for distinction. And four, for the testimony of the Lord. One day you don't want to do it. And I know that sometimes, uh, sometimes a lady may not understand this, but I'll just tell you, oftentimes the attire of the day that girls wear, it accentuates the sexual zones of the body. And girls would not understand that, but men understand that, and God understands that. And one of the things that does do a help, and no man is ever excused from sin that he does. The Bible says if a man looketh upon a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery already in his heart. It doesn't throw all the blame on the woman. But if you look in the book of Romans chapter 14, the Bible's very clear that when we do something, we're not an island. No man liveth to himself nor dieth to himself. And one of the things I am supposed to do, I'm supposed to live in such a way that I'm not going to be a stumbling block to another brother or sister. I don't want to be a reason that they would struggle. And if we could use this in alcohol or things of that nature, you know, you, don't, you, you wouldn't want to send someone who struggled with alcohol to the company picnic. Why? It would cause them to stumble. You wouldn't want to do something. You maybe wouldn't want to take a, a fellow who struggled with that to, to um, Buffalo Wild Wings, where beer flows like a river and every single table has it. It may not be a place. You would cause someone to, to, to stumble. 
cause someone to hurt on that. And the same way with how we appear and how we dress. We have to think about other people, not just ourselves. You know, in questionable things, there's a stop principle that God gives us in Romans chapter 14. Number one, would it be a stumbling block to another brother or sister? If I did this and they knew or they saw me or they heard about it and they saw my post on Facebook, would it cause another brother or sister to stumble? Would it hurt them? Number two, would it hurt the testimony of Jesus? Would, would they, if they knew I went there, did that, wore that, drank that, indulged in this, if I did that, would it hurt the testimony that I'm supposed to be representing 24-7, and that's him? So is it a stumbling block? Is it a testimony issue? Is it something that I should live because I care for others? The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Because I'm, 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 I am not by myself, what I do affects my wife, my children, our church family. There are things that I could do as a college student when I became a school teacher of a Christian school and, a, and, a, and an extension of my pastor and church family. I decided, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. Why? Because the higher I go in spiritual opportunities, the fewer my liberties become. Because I don't want to hurt the testimony of Jesus. I certainly don't want to hurt another brother or sister in Christ. And sometimes I don't feel the same about that thing that some other brother does. But Apostle Paul said this, if I have a brother who doesn't eat meat, and if I eat this meat and it offends him, then I won't eat meat because I love him more than I love my belly and my palate. He said, if, I can, if, 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 I, if it hurts somebody else, then I don't want to do it because I because I should not want my own ability. Well, I tell you what, I don't care anybody says. I'm going to do whatever I want. I can wear what I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell you that. But when you look at eternity future, you might realize that Jesus pleased not himself. And we're not supposed to do what we want. We're supposed to do what does God want me to do? What would, what would not be a stumbling block to another? What would, hurt the, what would not hurt the testimony of Jesus? What would be a blessing and would not hurt another brother or sister. And then, quite frankly, at the end of it, in Romans chapter 14, the stop principle, stumbling block, testimony, others. And lastly, there are some things you just have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. I can't please everybody. And I have to say, you know what, this is something I feel like God has not got a prohibition against. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt him. I've proved it. And I believe it's acceptable to the Lord. And it might hair lip everybody else but I don't believe it hair lips God. I'm fully persuaded in my own mind this is okay for me to do. And there are some things on that that's okay. Even in the areas of music. And once again, it's somewhat confusing. But you know, music is not neutral. There's syncopations involved. There's things we have to evaluate and say, you know what, does this honor the Lord? I've sat here before, and I've told you this, maybe, but I've sat here on the service, and I've listened to hundreds of songs now since I've been your pastor in seven years. And there's sometimes I've sit here, and I've listened to that song, and my heart is really blessed. There's other times, the words, it's okay. The people, they're beautiful people. But there's something not right in that song. And I don't even know why. I just know that God's spirit is bearing witness with my spirit. And I usually will say to Brother Aaron or Mrs. Colson, 
Let's not have that song again. The people are great. They're soul winners. They're faithful people. I don't think anything wrong with them. The words, I don't find anything wrong with the words. But there's something in the sound that just is not pleasing to the Lord. And I don't know, and it may be just perfectly fine, but let's just not do that one again in our church until we feel either better about it or God gives us that. He said, Pastor, that, there's no Bible verse on that. But there is. Walk in the Spirit. And I'm not the most spiritual person in the world, but the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of me lives inside of you. And He can help us know, yes, that pleases the Lord. I remember sometimes driving along years ago back when they had cassette tapes. Many of you do not know what that is, but it's a little thing that has a little tape inside there. And I remember singing to the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And then I pushed that cassette tape in. And boy, that, that was a good song. That was a good song. And that really, Lord. And then another song come on there, and I'm thinking, I don't know why that one doesn't sound good. What's wrong? I said, Lord, you don't like that song? And I feel like the Lord said, John, it's okay. But it's not the best way to worship me. And I don't think it really honors me. And it's very worldly. More than one time I have pushed the eject button, driving down the road, pulling out the little, the little tape. And sitting on my, on my, on my chair, on my, on my passenger seat, a pile, a pulled out ribbon. And thinking, thing, man. I just lost, lost about seven good songs there, but there was one song that I know God did not want. To me, if God's against it, so am I. If it bothers him, it should bother me. And I don't know if there's a verse of Scripture on that, but I do believe that music is not, don't buy the lie that music is neutral. You can praise God with any kind of fire you want to. I believe there's a strange fire. I believe there is a music that does not glorify Jesus. And I do believe in just because I like it doesn't mean God likes it. And that's why God gave us a spirit. He gave us his word. And he gave us his local church. And everybody will have a little bit different things. But we need to know that there is a sound. There is a music of a heart. There's a music. There's a dress of a heart. There's a, there's a sound of war. There's, this, there's other music that is, that is made for other things. It's not just the words. But I will say this, there are, there should be a distinction. Music should show us this is holy, this is profane. I've got some verses that I think they've got for you. And just for sake of time, I want us to watch them if we can. I think, Dwight, you have those, don't you? Okay, if you'll put them up as soon as you have the first one there. I'd like just to read these together. Leviticus 10.10, can you read it with me? And that ye may put a difference between the holy... Say, Pastor, this is Leviticus. I can't stand reading that book. It always stresses me out. Okay, God gave this to his people to get Egypt out of them. And here's how God says. God says, listen, there are certain things that are holy and certain things that are unholy. Things that are clean and certain things that are unclean. And when it comes to music, I don't care what you're listening to, you either find it you got to find, you got to say, you know what, Lord, give me wisdom to discern. Is this pleasing to you or is it not? Look at another verse, if we can, please. Ezekiel 22, 26. Can we read it together? Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbath. 
What was that last part says? And I am? Well, one thing you don't want to be, you don't want to be in, a, in a, any kind of a, involved with anything that gives a negative, unholy view of God. He said, he said, they even put my difference between the holy and profane. And listen, friends, in churches, this is something you might say, well, Pastor, our church is just way conservative. I mean, we're just very strict on that thing. And it's not to be strict for the sake of pride. That's ridiculous. We're not better than anybody. But I do believe we ought to always ask, Lord, is this most pleasing to you? And if it's not, there's a thousand other songs that we could sing that would not hurt you, that would be praise and glorifying to you. Or we can just say, keep pushing the envelope. I don't think we want to do that with a God who's been so good. We ought to do the best for him. Let's look at another verse real quickly. Romans 12, 2, are you ready? And be not conformed, that you may prove what is that good. Could you look at those four words at the end there, that, are, that, that you might prove what is that good and, and, and? So what would God most want? What is his will in the matter? Not what I want, not acceptable to me, what's acceptable to him. We have to evaluate that. Okay, let's look at another verse real quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There, I've got some friends, they cannot stand that God left this in the Bible. But it's an important verse. Let's look what it says, ready? Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth? Verse number 16, 17. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God. Wherefore, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. See that last statement right there? What happens? What's the benefit of us separating from things that are not best? God will do what? Okay, does that mean that if we don't do what's best, he kicks us out of his family? No. I have, I have the nine children. Eight of them are still living. But all of them, I love all of them. And all of them are our children. We can't unbirth them. I think I've heard their mother say, I brought you in the world, I can take you out, but it's not the same. <laughs> but you know, the truth of the matter is, I love all my kids. But when there's a couple of them that are just always pushing my buttons, they're looking for the mute button, but I won't let them find it. They're just pushing my button, they're giving me a hard time, their room is messy, their attitude stinks, their grades are failing, they're, they're causing difficulties, are they still my child? Is the relationship any different? No, I'm still their dad. They're still my child. But the fellowship is not sweet. I'm not, I don't really like, they want to be where I'm not. And quite frankly, I'm not real fuzzy-wuzzy about them either. I don't, I'm not really, you know why? Because they've chosen wrong friends. They've chosen things that dishonor me and dishonor their mom and hurt the things of Christ. I'm not going to disown them as my child. And when you get saved, you're forever God's child. But you, you don't have that close relationship. You can't love flowers and not hate weeds. 
You can't say, I love God, but keep the world. The next verse tells us about that. Let's look at the next verse real quickly. 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. You ready? Love not the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but of the world. The world passes the way, and the lust thereof. How many of you still have all your eight tracks from, the, from your 70s and 80s? Are you kidding me? Only an idiot would keep those things. You've seen the person's imitation of Elvis? He's gone. He's gone. You can do the same imitation of Michael Jackson. He's gone. All these people, the world passes away in the luster of. You're not going to go to heaven and say, boy, I wish I could have listened and jammed to that music. You're going to say, boy, am I glad I did what most pleased the Lord Jesus. And I believe that music is something that God wants us to do, and he wants us to draw a line and say, Lord, does this please you or does it not? And if it doesn't, I'm done. I love you. It's like saying... You know, when I got married to Linda, it was August the 12th, 1989, in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts. And when I said I do to Linda, I automatically said I don't to everybody else. I have a bigger yes. And it's not so hard to say no when I have a greater yes. When we have a great love to please the Lord, then we're not going to argue about this thing, that thing, this thing. We'll say, you know what, I just think it pleases the Lord. If it makes him happy, that's what I want.